Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 10th Second Podcast. My name is Keith Woodward, and I'll be your host. On the last episode, Rand Pecknold talks about the beginnings of the program as the university evolves into the ECAC. On this episode, we're going to take you on a journey all the way to the national championship overtime goal, and then a little bit more. With that, let's start with Rand Pecknold. Let's go to Division One. Yeah. Um, and so you find yourself as a Division One coach when the university makes a decision probably in 2000, 1998, somewhere in that vicinity, to go Division One. Yep. Anxiety, excitement, all of the above, probably. Uh, yeah. I mean, I was excited, and then uh, I remember uh, there was always, you know, all the coaches, all of us were like, "Okay, hey, we're going D one, great, great, great." <clears throat> and then they started talking about what we're going to prioritize. It's going to be three tiers. Well, which tier were you going to be in? So that was a big deal. It was a little stressful. You're in the one, you're the two, or the three, right? Um, and then. A little bit of there were some murmurs like, well, if we're going to go D one, we got to get D one coaches, and so then that went around, and then you're like, oh, am I great? We're going D one, but I'm not. I don't have a job. You know, like I might I, they might get a D one coach. So, um, you know, luckily Jack uh, fought for me and was like, I don't really think it ever got close. We're like, hey, we, we you know, he, I think he was always like, Rand's our guy. Rand can do this to John Lee, and luckily John listened to, to Jack. I think I proved him right, but. Uh, there was a little. I had. There was definitely a time where I was a little worried. Like, oh my God, what's gonna? I built this program because in our, my fourth year we were really good in division in division three. We were gearing up for D one, and then that year we hadn't gone D one yet. But like we were like, I want to guess we were like eleven and zero at Christmas. Mm-hmm. Had this huge article in the Boston Globe, and I was like, all right, I'm good now after this. You know, I think we were the only undefeated division one, two, or three team in the country at Christmas, and I was like, all right, I think I'm, I think I'm okay now. But I definitely, I had some concerns at one point. Talk to me a little bit about the Harvard Civic Center a game yeah. with Harvard. Uh, yeah. Gordy Howe, right? Like, yeah. Gordy Howe's not there <coughs> if we're not in the ECAC, if we're not Division One, right. right? I mean, I'm sure we could have compensated him or whatever, yeah. but, but he shows up to do that. Uh, to yeah, I mean, the, the cool thing about, me about Gordy Howe is my son Tate, who's 18 now, so I guess he must have been one or two. I don't know. But Gordy, I got great pictures of Gordy, like manhandling. He's throwing Tate up in the air and pictures with my wife and. Uh, but it was great to have him. But I, I'll, I'll tell you a great story on that one. We, so we're, you know, we're going to go to the Harvest. It's going to be our first ECAC game. It's a big deal, um, and uh, huge deal. And um, so there's 11 teams we can play, and it's random. We didn't, we didn't ask. It's just this is who you're going to get. And you know, that year there were two phenomenal teams. It was Cornell and, and Harvard. They were both in the top 10, and we get. We just happened to have Harvard. I'm like, really? We couldn't have, you know, like you couldn't. They were like seventh in the country. I'm like, oh my god, like that's who we have to open with. We can't open with. Like, you got ten other teams. You'd rather. Please. I mean, well, I wouldn't want Cornell either. I didn't right, want right. either one of those two. It was any of one but those two. But that's who we get. And I'm like, oh my god. So I remember. Uh, so we had them at Hartford. The next night, we were going to go back to North. We were going to play Dartmouth, who was like 19th in the country. So I could open up against two top 20 teams, and. Um, um, so I remember a couple days before Jack and I had lunch or we used to go for runs together in the morning and I was like, God, Jack, I gotta, I gotta tell you, man, I'm stressed. Like Harvard is way better than me. Like they just, it's not even close. Like we're, cause we're just gearing up, you know, this is a big jump. 
And um, you know, we don't have draft picks. They've got super. They got all America. He's got like six defensemen are all draft picks. Forget the whole team. Talent was like not even close. And uh, I remember Jack telling me this to, to this day. I can remember this. He goes, "Rand, don't worry about the game. You don't have to win the game. All you have to do is make sure you don't get blown out." <laughs> I was like, "It was lowered uh, the expectations a little." I was like, "Okay, so just make sure I don't get blown." I remember this. And then we go and we play them, and the guys were fired up, and Harvard was kind of like, oh, whatever, what's Quinnipiac? And we win the game, and then we turn around and we go the next night, and now we play Dartmouth, who's 19th in the country, and we beat them. And uh, just to wrap that story up, I go in, Jack's like, you need to come by my office on Monday after, after practice. I'm like, I go in, I'm like, hey, that was a crazy weekend. He's got a smile at your wide. And he had at his desk, he spun around, that, that circular desk yeah, on yeah, the other yeah, side, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I sat behind the circular desk, and he comes over and he grabs an envelope, and uh, I don't know if she's sharing the story, but I'm going to share it because it's too late. I'm already into it. And he slides this envelope across the table to me. And I'm like, what's that? He goes, just open it up. And I open it up, and it's a new contract. And President Leahy was so pumped on the weekend, I got a raise. I mean, who gets a raise in season? Nobody does. That's awesome. Never. That's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. I wish I could remember how much it I don't even remember what it was, but I was like, oh, I was blown away. Yeah, yeah. But that was John Leahy. Like, John yeah, yeah, was yeah, yeah. just a phenomenal leader, and he was like what you just did for this university like we can't put a value on that um and you know again there's so many things that launched our program but that weekend was huge for our fan base like to right you know i go from jack going just don't get blown out to beating the number seven and number 19 teams in the country and and you probably went five thousand people at the hartford civic center to about 600 people at, at the dartmouth game yeah yeah, yeah. right because yeah. it just didn't hold that many people. i think we had more than that at northford but it was oh, not it was much loud. more not much we had standing room only yeah, no, not, we had, we had probably 820 maybe yeah that, right but. But yeah, it was a great. It was great. And then uh, I, I, if I, if now this, I'm not positive, but I think because we had a good record going into that weekend in non-conference because we had played a lot of Atlantic hockey schools. And then I think we go on that Monday, we got voted in the top 20 because we just beat. I don't remember what number we were. Maybe 18. I don't even know. But yeah, so we ranked in the top 20 for the first time. That's fantastic. Was that, did you anticipate that? And I mean, I know you were number one or number two in the country at the time, but did you think it was going to happen this quick? Um, we're talking about 2012, 2013? 2013, yeah. uh, No, no. I mean, I just, I knew the rink was going to make us better, but we were so far away. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't even close. Like, we didn't have, you know, we had no draft picks. It wasn't like we had two, we had none. Like, it just was the recruiting. We were getting our tail kicked everywhere by the big programs. Uh, by the Ivies, like it just, it was hard. It was hard to get players, um, to get good players, sorry. And uh, when we got players, listen, we got players and then absolutely, we just didn't have any depth. You know, we had good players. We just could never get deep enough to really make a run. Um, I will say this. I knew that 12-13 season that we were going to be really good. I didn't know we were going to be number one in the country and make it to the national championship. I didn't know that. Uh, but that was the year I almost, I almost left to go to UMass. They offered me, um, and actually, I took less money to stay at Quinnipiac. Um, and um, it's obviously panned out well for me, but I, I did take less. Um, there was a lot of reasons why. And, and Quinnipiac bumped me up a lot cause, to get me close, but I was so far away from what, it was Hockey East, what mm -hmm. they were paying. Mm -hmm. But um, but I always remember that, and I just, part of it was, um, Part of it was my wife. Like she was, ha she would have gone, but she was happy where we were. My kids were happy. I, I'm like, I do like it here. Jack was a great, phenomenal boss. Sean Leahy was a phenomenal. I mean, God, he was so good to me. So I felt a lot of loyalty to them. 
and I felt a lot of loyalty to my players. Like I, I literally was like, I, I can't, I can't leave Connor and Kellen and Pekka and like all these other. You know, You're invested, right? Like I, I could go through that yeah, whole yeah, roster. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. I really felt loyalty to those guys, and I'm like, yeah, I'm not going. And um, so, but it's obviously, and then we had that great year, and I'm like, oh, good thing I didn't go. <laughs> it panned out well. Yeah. So uh, six, <clears throat> six two win over Yale, four nothing win over Yale, th- or four one over Yale, and three nothing over Yale, and then it's the championship game. And it doesn't yep. go the way you want it to go. No, it didn't. Um, and I think I've heard you say probably a hundred times that you know the goalie was pretty good that night he for was great. Yale. Yep, Jeff Malcolm. Yep, it was um, his birthday too. I always remember that. It was his. Oh, that oh, yeah. day. Oh yeah, sure. Yep, they <laughs> just kept th- talking about that. He had the game of his life. Great, you, great got, time to pick to yeah. have it, Jeff. <laughs> you've gotten you've, you've gotten over it well. I can tell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. no, it's fine. I know. Yeah, I'm teasing. I'm great. teasing. Well, the other thing too in that we had uh, we had half empty net early in the game that we missed, and uh, we had probably our best breakaway guy had a breakaway and Malcolm made a huge save so we, like we could have been up to nothing like normally we're up to nothing and we roll you know yeah. and yeah and um, it's just it's part of the game that's why you play the game 2014 another NCAA appearance 2015 uh, another appearance 16 I think was North Dakota and they were just loaded right loaded I mean NHL draft picks everywhere crazy like and the first power li- play yeah the first yeah. the first first line was yeah. like crazy it was uh, was unbelievable so let's skip ahead to 2023, which is what uh, probably everybody wants to hear about. In the season, 17-game non-losing streak, 16-0-1. You didn't lose a home game all year. You, yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty hard. That's, that's, pretty, that's pretty, pretty hard to do. Yeah. That's pretty hard to do. Yep. Uh, after you won 17 games in a row, you won 12 games in a row. Yep. Two losses uh, to Goldgate, one to Maine, and one to Cornell. Those were your only losses. I think you played 12 top 16 ranked teams uh, yep. all year long, so you're battle-tested. Let's talk about the trip to North Dakota. Yep. I've talked to a couple of your players and a couple of your coaches. They looked forward to that because that was going to be an NCAA environment. Yes. Um, and was that intentional on your part in terms of setting that up? I mean, you always want to have, you know, some some big time non conference games. It's hard. You, you don't, the, the part of the problem with non conference, you don't know who's going to be good every year. You know, you go back to 2012, 13. <clears throat> we set those games up in 2010 with Lowell. Lowell wasn't very good in 2010. We were just okay. And then three years later, we're third in the country and they're fifth in the country. <laughs> you know, and so it's like you just don't know sometimes who's going to be where and it can go the other way too. Um, but certainly, you know, we want to play some high level. You know, non-conference games, and a lot of that was that we played North Dakota was Billy Chaves as the AD who used to work, right? Billy Chaves sure. and Billy Mecca set that set those games up. Yep. Let's talk about the uh, Quillen Lipkin graph line coming together. Yep. Uh, there was an injury, is that right? Before they came together. Yeah. So I had, yeah, I, I don't remember exactly how it all worked out, but Graf started the season with with, uh, sorry, Lipkin started the season with Brendamore and DeYoung, and they just it just wasn't wasn't meshing. Um, they weren't bad. It just wasn't fully there. So I was like, you know, I want to get... And, and what happened a lot, too, is Skyler and DeYoung double shift on the PK. And Sam wasn't there yet to kill penalties. So Sam wasn't getting enough ice, in my opinion. So I was like, well, if I get Sam away from those two, he'll, he'll play more. We need to get Sam more ice, basically, for his development. And I, I really felt he'll come on in the second half of the year. I had a lot of faith in him. Um, so then Sam and Graff are together with Desi Burkhardt at center, and then Desi gets hurt. Quillen was playing left wing at the time with Friedman and Cipollone. That line was ridiculously good. They were phenomenal. Uh, Quillen knew all along that 
he was basically going to be you know somewhere in our top nine on the wing, but he was our he was going to he's going to slide to center if any of those three centers got hurt. He knew that we practiced him at that. He he practiced faceoffs. I told him that, and then also that eventually I was going to move him full time to center. So then Desi gets hurt, so it just accelerates the process. So Quillen slid in there, and then the line just took off, and then. I, you know, I, I don't need to be a genius to figure out when Desi came back. <laughs> I, I left that line together, and Desi understood. He was great about it, and I, eventually, I think Desi played with Skyler and DeYoung, and just kind of the way the lines kind of worked themselves out. Colin Graff had 22 points at Union, yeah, and a year later, he's an All-American yep. uh, and a national champion. Right. I mean, crazy year of development. Yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah. And so, yeah. when you when you say crazy year of development, what does that mean in terms of like his work ethic, his his time in the gym, well, his time pop, on the you ice. You don't usually, usually guys, you know, we use the term pop a lot. Like they'll pop, but it's it's very incremental. Like to go from where he was to what he did in one year is is just insane. Um, and there's a lot of reasons why. Col- um, Colin's got a great work ethic, really high skill set, and high character kid, and just great buy-in. So then you take off to go to the U.S. Nationals. And I've heard you say that when uh, <coughs> when you were asked, there wasn't a hesitation, there wasn't a phone call, there wasn't a ask anybody back at the homestead. It was like, yeah. And I think that speaks to your passion about USA hockey yes. that I think you've had for years, right? Yeah. Um, and so what does John Van Beesbrook say to you? Well, he offers me the job, but then he and I said yes, and he's like, "Well, do you need to t- do you need to talk to your wife?" I'm like, "Oh, yeah, that's a good point. I better." She'll say yes, but I better let me talk to her first. I'll call you. So, uh, but no, I, I knew I was going to do it. Uh, actually, at the time, we were it was supposed to be in Russia, um, and um, you know, then with the war in Ukraine, it got moved to to Moncton and Halifax. But um, that would have created a whole other logistical issues, and I probably would have been gone away even longer. Uh, but yeah, it was a phenomenal experience for me. I didn't hesitate from a standpoint of I, uh, Joe Dumais, you know, one of the best in the country. He can handle this. Corbs is great. Eddie's great. Um, uh, my biggest worry was we, we were, we were going to take Bubba as our equipment manager. And uh, I was going to make sure that that got taken care of here, too. And then actually his son, Quinn, stepped in and handled that. So everything got everything worked out great. I was gone 27 days. I don't think the guys missed me at all. Maybe it was a good break. <laughs> Maybe one of the players would be like, the pivotal moment was we didn't have to do a rent for 27 days. So <laughs> That's the new uh, yeah. blueprint. I haven't heard that yet, but maybe. Um, but no, it was uh, it was really a lifelong dream for me to, to coach USA Hockey at the World Juniors. It's, you know, I still think the Olympic job is bigger, um, but I've had a lot of people now with the way the Olympics are now feel like the World Junior job is bigger. I don't know if I agree with that, but I've had a bunch of people say that to me. Um, it is a huge job and a huge responsibility, and I, I feel really fortunate that that Beezer gave me that opportunity. And I think th- I think everybody knows by now, but there's a lot of Michigan kids on that team, a there lot are. of Minnesota oh, kids yeah. on that team. A bunch. Um, and did I hear, and, and we don't have to use this if we don't want to, but did I hear Fentilli played on the Canadian team? He was on Canada, yeah. And he was on the fourth line? He was, yeah. He was on the fourth line. He didn't play a lot. He was on the fourth line and second power play. That's and, insane. Yeah, that's how good Canada was. I, Canada, that's... Canada was crazy good. They were probably, it's probably the maybe top one or two team ever talent-wise that any team's ever put in that tournament. So, you know, great. It had to be my year. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But uh, anyway, it's it, what it is. And then we had to play them in the semis because they, they, they lost the game. They got upset. You know, I thought, you know, we got the one seed in our tournament. They get the one. We don't right, have to win right. the gold medal game. So if we do lose, we, at least we get a silver. But no, we had to, you know, so now we got to struggle to play Sweden for a bronze. But uh, anyway, it all worked out. And uh, it was a great experience for, for me. And um, 
You don't want to talk about what a goal is and what a goal isn't, do no, you? No, no. We're talking you, about those, two, those you, two goals that got called back <laughs> against Canada. But anyway, we'll just move on from that. This is a Quinnipiac story. <laughs> uh, okay, so we are off to uh, the ECAC regular season championship. Yeah. And obviously, <clears throat> we're off to, uh, after a, a, a home win against Yale, uh, we're now headed to the ECAC uh, uh, semifinals. And the Colgate game doesn't go exactly, obviously, the way you wanted it to go. Uh, 2-1 in double overtime loss. Um, but it was a reset moment, it feels like. Yes. Yeah, it was pivotal. So basically what happened was, like, to go back to February. Like, we went 8-0 in February, and we didn't play well. <laughs> like, so, like, who goes 8-0, but they don't play well? Like, we were just sloppy, and the guys were kind of tuning me out a little bit, and... I knew we weren't locked in enough the way we were playing to to even go let, let go the frozen four. Like I knew it, mm-hmm. um, but it's really hard to coach and get guys to buy into to being better and changing when you go eight and zero. Like we just kept winning and kept winning and kept winning, and then we get in the playoffs and you know we beat Yale one night. They had five shots on net, and the guys think like we're invincible. And I'm like, okay, you know. But um, so I kind of I wouldn't say I, I didn't lose them by any means, but. They weren't 100% all in. You know, we were, we were still 95, 94, but you got to be 100 if we're going to beat Michigan and Minnesota and win a natty. So the Colgate uh, game in Lake Placid um, was just a train wreck. Like we just, you know, we, we, we basically played the way we did in February, but the Colgate goalie was really good and he's making saves and he's, you know, he's an excellent goalie and we're turning pucks over and guys weren't handling the moment well. And anyway, um, <clears throat> needless to say, that ends. You know, in a frustrating way, and, and again, I'll give Colgate credit. They played well, and, and Ross Mitten played really well for Colgate. That he scored the overtime goal. But they had some guys that played great against us. They really stepped up to the moment. Um, but after that loss, uh, that Monday practice, like I, I, I had their full attention for sure. That was probably our best practice of the year. Um, and then I remember, I think I don't know if it was Wednesday or Thursday. We actually had a fight in practice. <laughs> it was everything just kind of reset. And uh, we had a fight in practice. We had the guys had to break it up. I'm like, oh my god! But uh, the intensity was there. And then you know, um, you know, Merrimack had a great team. I was I was worried about them, but in hindsight, like they didn't have a chance. Like that was that was going to be our best game of the year coming off that type mm-hmm. of a loss. Mm-hmm. Merrimack, and then obviously Ohio State, <clears throat> right? Um, advance you to the uh, Frozen Four, um, and then and again, if you don't want to talk about this, we can edit this out. Yeah, but. You took a trip to New Hampshire during that week that right. I don't think many people know about, um, right. and obviously dealing with some family issues. Um, how do you balance all those things, right? I mean, you're the head coach of a of a pretty great program, yeah. And but you're still a human being yeah. at some point, right? And it was hard, yeah. It was hard. I mean, but again, if I if I got to go, if I got to go away for whatever, you know, I trust my guys to get it done. I trust the players, and you know, it all it all worked out. So, it's off to Michigan. Yeah. Um, and last year, uh, obviously, or the, in 2022, it was it did not turn out the way you wanted to. It, it, we were down four nothing, came back to four three, and yep. then uh, there was a lot of scoring there in the third period. Um, so we're gonna play a couple of clips for you. So this is um, the Michigan. Now Sam has already scored scored the goal at three two, um, but this talks a little bit, and I probably should rewind this a little bit, which isn't great for audio. But this is Zach's goal. Dumps it in. They're not gonna take a chance. Pass into a trailer. They're gonna keep. Oh. And that wrist shot that he takes from the corner, um, 
Real at that point, you know, the, defensively the way you guys play, you don't give up many goals in the third period, and much less up four to two. No, we don't. But it's seven minutes. It's a lot of time. You can pull a goalie. You know, like there's a lot that can you take. A, you can take a five minute major. Like, I mean, I, I like where we are right now. I like how we were that whole game. But there's there's a lot of time left and a lot of things that can go your way or um, or not go your way. So. Um, I was not in we're, we're playing in the national championship game at all then like we're you know I, I got to get these players I think our players probably are but I got to really think about how we gonna how we gonna manage the bench how we gonna manage our players how we can keep our guys fresh for the for when they pull the goalie uh, if there is a five which is probably not gonna be but you got to be ready for that like you get a five that whole game changes right and and you're planning those things in your head correct yeah and are you talking to the players about to stay focused? Are you talking about them to say, "Hey, listen, like guys, it's four two, but it's not over." Um, you know what? Or do they know? Uh, do they it's know so that? loud in the building; it's hard to talk each thing. I think you probably lean over more to each player. Um, I was just trying to get our lines right, and we had some kids that were struggling that game a little bit. Um, I thought a, I thought a big thing that we had to do was make sure we had the right matchups against Luke Hughes and Seamus Case. Those were two defensemen. Some of mm-hmm. our wings were really struggling to cover them. So we did juggle the lines a little bit. I knew, I, you know, I had to, when are we going to go down from four lines down to three? And then, you know, you can condense. You can just either keep three or, so you have to kind of figure that out. I'm running the forwards. Joe's running the D. So we're, we're kind of managing that a little bit. Like, we, you don't want to, you don't want to tire your best guys out. You need to, you need to keep playing them, but you got to, you got to, you got to pace yourself because there's going to be a flurry at the end. From midnight on Thursday to game time, what's your life look like? Uh... It's a great question. It's a little chaotic in my memory right now. Um, I do remember, like, we needed the guys after the Michigan win to get to see their parents, and there's girlfriends, and there's family, and some people had, like, 30 people there and 40 people there. It was crazy. But we also have to limit that. Um, so, you know, one of, the, one of the things that we talked about early in the week before Michigan was this is a business trip. You know, we're not going down there to get a tan. We're not going to the pool, you know. Um, I remember at practice one day, I'm like, if you need me to call your girlfriend and tell her to leave you alone while you're there, I will. And Mike Lombardi's like, afterwards, like, coach, I might need your help on this one. So I said, I said, Mike, give me the number right now. I'll call her right now. And then he never did. I think he was, I don't know if he was kidding or not, but the guys were all chuckling. But, um, you know, that's just the, the parents uh, can be very clueless in these moments. You know, they, they, they're so proud of their son and right, they want right. to share it with them. Right. We're coming to Tampa. We want to see our kid. And that's the worst thing you can do for them. Like, leave him alone. You know, let him. You see him a little bit, but leave him alone. Let him. He's got a routine. Yeah. Uh, girlfriends completely get in the way. Like, they just have. They just. They're selfish and, and not in a bad way. They like. They. I want to. I'm going. You know. I'm so proud of him. And I want to hang out with him. And you know. It's like no. That's not what they need. Like so. I we really had to hammer that a lot with the players before we were there. After Michigan. Before the Minnesota game. Like this is this is all business. Like this is you can spend you can celebrate with them afterwards. So I think that was a big thing we had to really curtail. Um, you know, between after the Michigan win and getting to the Minnesota game, I think our guys. I believe they did a good job of it. It felt like that. Like, but we. I did some laps around the pool. I was looking for guys, which we did in 2016 too. You know, we found a couple guys at the pool. I'm like, guys, what are you doing? Like, oh, well, we're just going to lie out. No, I'm like, no, because like, the, the sun is, the heat is very dehydrating. You know, we had, I had Brajesh hitting them with texts and emails like, guys, you got to hydrate and what have you. So we really had to 
focus them in like this is this is you know for a lot of you this is the biggest game of your life it's funny you say two, two things that resonate one joey cipollone was in here and talking about how he was watching the hobie baker outside and they were baking in the sun on that saturday and whether that was an edge or not or not in, in his mind right. it was like that was an advantage they weren't out there for two hours while the hobie baker right. was given was given out um oh i never even i never even knew they were there i did that's the first time i've heard of that that's interesting yeah no he said he could look out the hotel and he could see the the two teams out there oh really uh, get, yeah. getting the awards there you go. that's why we won yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then the second component um of that is uh we talked to uh, devon uh, Markle, um, and she said, you know, some of the players were texting her and just making sure that their minds were right in terms of being yeah. ready for it. And that just talks to kind of the whole operation that you have, right? I right. mean, we've talked to all the, all, a lot of your back end group in terms of how they all contribute in, in the way that, uh, yeah, Devin was, she was great. She's, she does a great job. She was a, she was a huge resource for us. Um, like that's something where Quinnipiac finally, we've been talking about it for a long time, finally stepped up and did the right thing and hired that. It's not just for men's hockey. Like she handles all the athletes, um, just mental health, and she's been great. I think some of the sports, she actually is on the bench for them. Yeah, I think uh, so too, yeah. I told her that's not going to happen in men's hockey. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, she was a big part of this uh, of this natty for us. I, I was really happy with her. Yeah, no, she's, uh, she, she's great. And just her... Her level of expertise from coming from Kobe Bryant and that whole situation, it's, it's, uh, she was great. Okay, so now it's the day of. You're doing interviews. You've watched tape. Uh, Joe's and Joe and Mike have got tape all ready for the guys. Um, it's a long time to 8 o'clock, you know, when you're essentially 20 years old and you're about to play for a national championship. What do, you, do, do you do anything special to keep their minds off of? No, we, we tried to keep our routine the same as it's been all year. Yeah. Um, certainly we because it was eight o'clock instead of a typical seven o'clock game. We just started everything an hour later, yeah. right? So they get more sleep in the morning. But yeah, it's a, I would say we, we had a pretty good routine and we just stuck with it and you don't want to change anything dramatically. And do you guys take the bus over? Cause I mean, the hotel's like walking distance. Um, I'm trying to remember, I think we, I think we did. Yeah, you have to because you get you do the red. Oh, carpet. you got to go. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And then afterwards we said you can walk or take the bus back, whatever you wanted, but yeah, we did. Now we welcome to the 10th Second Podcast, the Deputy Athletic Director for Quinnipiac University and also a board member on USA Hockey, Sarah Frazier. Did did you as a board or anything with USA Hockey have anything to do with Rand's selection to the juniors? No, that's a decision made by the executive staff and the hockey staff at USA Hockey. And so that would be John Van Beesbrook and Pat Kelleher, who... Um, I believe are making those choices with input from the national team development program staff. And, um, you know, Rand has been a huge proponent of USA hockey. I know throughout his whole career. And he's one of those people who anytime USA hockey calls, he'll consider it an honor and, and he'll do what he can to, to serve the country. And that sounds a little corny, but there are a surprising number of players and coaches who have to say no or choose to say no from time to time. Um, when they're offered opportunities with USA Hockey. And it's not always a matter of, oh, do I want to do this or do I not want to do this? I think it gets very complicated with with people's careers. Um, but, you know, the fact that Rand was able to balance um, everything he needed to do in the middle of a what turned out to be a championship season at Quinnipiac and devote his entire self to uh, working with that World Junior Squad, I think is pretty incredible because that's that's a very taxing job. 
and it's very compact and there's a very short time period with pretty high stakes and so he's um, he's special Thanks for listening to the 10th Second Podcast. And our guest, the last two episodes, has been Rand Pecknold, the head coach of the men's hockey team. Our production crew is Justin Morofsky, who is our producer and audio engineer. Jillian Catalano is our social media coordinator. David DeRoche handled the audio mastering. I'm Keith Woodward, and I'm your host. Please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the 10th Second. And also follow the podcast account at QU Podcasts. And thanks again for joining us on this episode.